episode 22 of From the Shed End podcast, where we talk things Chelsea and everything Chelsea related. Um, I'm T Dot, and I'm joined obviously with Theo as always. So, how are you doing, Theo? I'm good, thanks. It was good to be at Stamford Bridge on on Saturday and get the three points. So, made my weekend worth it for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We may as well get straight into it. Good game, three points, another clean sheet. Um, what was your thoughts? Obviously, you was there at the games. So what was your thoughts on the game? Yeah, it was obviously, um, for me, it was a champions in the making performance. We didn't necessarily play very well, I thought. I thought Villa, maybe even the better team in terms of the chances they created and the possession they had around the box. But then the scoreline doesn't really reflect that because we we came out with a 3-0 win, three points, a clean sheet. And, you know, so it's kind of, it reminded me a bit of, you know, that Conte season or even Mourinho's, Mourinho football where we weren't necessarily playing well, but we were getting the three points and the clean sheet. And obviously the this goal scorer, Lukaku, was, you know, he was fantastic. Two shots on target, two goals. And, you know, that's what we, we kind of lacked in the last couple of seasons was that number nine is clinical in front of goal. And if you look at those goals, they were really well taken, really, really well taken. I yeah. was, um, I was on the, in the East Stand lower. So I got a perfect view of that second goal he scored, you know, in, in extra time. It was fantastic. You know, I think it might have just been on the line, so I want to count it as outside the box. But um, <laughs> you know, rifled it in with his um, with his left foot, and it was a fantastic goal. Even the first goal, you, you know, he kind of said that he he knows Twanzebe Twanzebe from his time at Man United, and he kind of read what he was going to do. So um, it was a brilliant, brilliant number nine performance, and the Kovacic finish finish was where was that? You know, we haven't seen that in ages from him. But um, I think maybe if he can add goals to his game this season then that would be fantastic as well to have maybe another midfield option who can score goals. But um, it was a good performance. I thought um, if I had to highlight two players that played really, really well, it'd have to be um, Thiago Silva and Edouard Mendy. I think we we almost take these really good saves from Edouard Mendy for granted at times because they are fantastic and they're, they're, you know, they're game-winning saves. I think we were speaking about it offline. It's when are we going to start to put Edouard Mendy in that world-class bracket? And based on form for me, he's currently in the top three um, goalkeepers in the world, without a doubt. Maybe along, you know, an Allison or an Edison or potentially a, a Courtois if he's, you know, on form with Real Madrid. But he's definitely up there with the three best goalkeepers in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, I said it on uh, after the game on Saturday. I think even going back to before the international break against Liverpool, that you think about some of those saves that he made in that game and even more so against Aston Villa as well, especially when it was nil-nil. Um, you know, I, I thought in the first half, I was very, for some weird reason, very nervous. Um, maybe because of defensively, I just wasn't happy in terms of how we were playing defensively. I think that had a massive part to play in the fact that we didn't have Angolo Kante in midfield as well. And which we're going to touch on, Sal Niguez coming in and trying to adapt to the Premier League in such a, a way. Um, it just seemed very open for Aston Villa. It made it very easy for them to get the ball, you know, into the channels and 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 gave them opportunities you know they had you know half decent chances in the first half to score goals and you know as you just mentioned around Mendy being um the, the goalkeeper that he is and, and being able to pull those saves off but it, you know looking back at, at the game even beforehand you know 3-0 is quite a flattering scoreline in terms of how we played over the 90 minutes but I, I just wanted to get your thoughts because um, the pass from Kovacic who, for the first goal he literally takes out the whole defence um, I think he takes on two players beforehand as well and was able to to, to, go, to get the ball over to Lukaku but do, do you think 
that's the role now that we need to see more of from Kovacic in terms of being able to to split the defence apart the way he did and, and be able to be the, the assist provider for someone like Lukaku. Yeah, I feel a bit bad now because I mentioned um, Thiago Silva and Mendy as my kind of men of the match. But um, <laughs> but I think Kovacic, how can I forget him? He, he was fantastic. And as you said, um, that ability he has to kind of split, you know, defence is open. I think we saw it in his first season when he had that amazing pass through ball to Hazard against Liverpool at home at the bridge. And um, I think, when, you know, we, we weren't playing Mount. Maybe we were resting him for, for, for tomorrow night. And uh, because he, he was quite um, heavily involved with England and international duty. So about Mount on the pitch, you kind of look at Kovacic, you know, for that kind of assist making, you know, positional role that he can, like, he can offer. And he does have, you know, assists in his, in his locker. We do see it. He's fantastic on the ball. And I think more than Kante, Jorginho, and I don't, I don't really know much about Sal, Sal Nagez yet, but I think he's that midfielder that can beat players, you know, get past players, dribble past them. And he is very skillful. He is extremely skillful. And, mm. you know, it's almost like, I say this a lot, but it reminds me a bit of Hazard, how he almost has like a string attached to the ball and his center of gravity is pretty low. So he can kind of, you know, wiggle past players quite easily in midfield. And he has pace as well. He's honestly, I've, I said, I'm going to say it again, but with Mendy, we we kind of you know said when we're we going to look at him and say he's world class. But I think performances like that from Kovacic almost merits you know that world class label as well because he was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And I do agree that um, we do look at him for assists now when players like Mount aren't going to be on the pitch. Um, and yeah, I think we were playing, was it Hudson and um, Ziyech as the kind of maybe in the Mount position. But um, but yeah, he was he was he was brilliant, and I do think. Um, we, we saw him, you know, he was player of the season um, under Lampard and I think he's only getting to get better under Tuchel as well. So he's definitely a player to watch this season. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It was interesting as well. Um, you mentioned Mason Mount and I, I think the same for Andreas Christensen, who I think will potentially play tomorrow now with <laughs> Trevor Chalobah coming into the, the game against Aston Villa, who I thought had a very decent game considering, um, as I mentioned before, the, the opportunities that Aston Villa had. Um, him and Thiago Silva were were brilliant especially in, you know the first half but um what did you make of Callum Hudson Odoi obviously he was the the automatic option in terms of Reese James being suspended but he seemed very com- comfortable at right wing back for the first half and I know he switched to the left side when um the substitutions were made in the second half but just in terms of a right wing back what were your thoughts on him um, as a makeshift right wing back if you want to call him that yeah I mean we've seen him um play that position quite often now under Tuchel and I do think he offers you know an attacking threat in that position um, maybe not as solidly defensively as maybe an Azpilicueta or Rhys James but I do think it's an option and I was reading this morning how Tuchel was really reluctant to let him go on loan to Borussia Dortmund for that exact reason how versatile he is how he can play winger right wing back even potentially left wing back so I think that's the main reason he wanted to keep him I do think he's, he can still improve. I was also reading this morning that Southgate still considers him in his England plans, but wants to let him continue to develop, I think, in the under-21 squad in, for England before kind of, you know, introducing him maybe um, like he has with some other players like Greenwood Mount and those other um, y- y- uh, youngsters. But um, but no, I think he, he had a solid game. Um, the man on my right at Stamford Bridge wasn't so keen on him for some reason, but <laughs> you'd have to ask him why. Um, but um, I think he, he is definitely an option, you know, when we, we don't really, we lack, when Aspilicueta lacks in pace and when Reese James, we want to give him a rest. I think Hudson Adore's right wing back is definitely an option. And um, it almost makes you wonder, had we kept, um, had, we, had we gone in for Hakimi and managed to get Hakimi, 
you know, where would have this left um, Hudson Odoi, maybe even Aspi. So um, definitely an option at right wing back for me. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. I think he's he's definitely. Uh, I read the same um, article maybe that you did around Tuchel not allowing him to leave or not wanting him to leave. So it makes sense, makes perfect sense for me. And I suppose when I before when I said you know it was. Uh, sort of unconvincing performance. We do have to remember, obviously, he didn't have Christensen in the team who has played really well to start this season. Mason Mount didn't feature. We didn't have N'Golo Kante as well. Um, so there were some key kind of absentees in the in the, in the the team, but it does, again, highlight the depth that we've now got in the squad where we can bring on, uh, you know, or bring in a Trevor Chalibro or, you know, we can play Kovacic and uh, Hudson-Odoi as well. Alonso again, I thought had a brilliant game, captain as well. So I think he, you know, he he done his captain duties really well and played played really well. Kept keeping Chilwell out of the team as well. But I want to get onto the the main topic of discussion um, in terms of Sal Niguez because I feel like it's, you know, obviously social media is the sort of craziest place to try and get an opinion from sometimes. So obviously there were mixed emotions on there. Some people felt that you know it was the right thing to do to sub him off he just didn't get the pace of the game it was a big game to come into and and some just criticised him which I, I think was very unfair I think you know you come into a, a, a league where it's international break you're not really training with the full squad you're learning a new language I don't think he, he's obviously not fluent in English as well and it's just a different culture, you know. It's, just, it's a different culture. It's a different league to get to get your head around as well. So, I, I, you know, I did sort of tweet when the game was on that you know he's going to learn really quickly. He hasn't got two or three seconds on the ball in the Premier League to kind of decide what you want to do. You've got you've got to be at the pace of the game, and rightfully so. I do agree that you know Thomas Tuchel subbing him for Jorginho made perfect sense. Um, but, but I just want to get your thoughts because you know everyone's, everyone's got different opinions on it but I just want to get your thoughts on it was it the right call to sub him at half time um, I think for just for the, the sake of the game and kind of securing the three points it, may, it was the right call and um, maybe Sanagaz's head wasn't really in, in the game and he, I'm sure he had that chat with Tuchel you know at half time and they made the decision together but for all these kind of like talk on social media about his performance you, you can't judge a player on 45 minutes it's absolutely absurd and as you said the transition from Spain to England from La Liga to the Premier League is very, very difficult. It's a completely different, you know, pace of the game that, you know, sort of, I feel the Premier League is a lot more physical. You don't have three seconds on the ball. And if one thing Tuchel is kind of, you know, cemented in his Chelsea team is how he wants to win the ball back in, the, you know, a matter of seconds. And I'm sure other Premier League sides are trying to do that now too. So um, he did dawdle a couple of times on the ball and lost possession. But um uh, particularly that one chance, I think, which Ollie Watkins managed to kind of round Mendy and then Thiago Silva put in a, an incredible block and my heart was skipping a beat at that moment. But um, but no, I, I, I think he will definitely um, learn from that for those 45 minutes. And again, as you said, he hasn't really trained with the majority of that squad. Um, his midfield partner for the game, Kalbacic, was on international duty for um, the last you know couple of weeks. So I don't think he, had a, maybe a, he only had one or two training sessions maybe alongside him. But um, I think he will actually start on um, Tuesday, um, tomorrow. I think um, maybe he'll give um, Kovacic a rest this time, seeing he played the 90 minutes and maybe put him alongside Jorginho. And, um, but I've got no doubt he's a, a really good player. He will, he will come good. And um, I, I think I, sp- I mentioned in another one of the previous episodes that what he can add to this Chelsea squad is, is goals. Mm-hmm. And maybe in, in Atletico Madrid, he's kind of you know, used to maybe doing a bit more of the you know, attacking kind of you know, play and maybe letting... 
I don't know who was um, the CDM, maybe a Thomas Party at the time, Atletico Madrid or someone like that, to the kind of dirty work. But maybe what he needs to kind of learn in this Chelsea side is that, you know, everybody does a bit of the dirty work in this team, you know, whether it's Mount, whether it's Lukaku, whether it's Sal Niguez, whether it's Kovacic, whether it's Alonso, everyone, you know, tracks back and does some of the work. But um, I think he will, he will learn quickly, give him a couple more training sessions or a couple more weeks of training with the, you know, the, the full team, where I don't know, particularly those midfield, midfield players. And um, he'll he'll be definitely be one to to. I think we will make the move permanent permanent next summer. If I'm honest, and that's not that's not based on any performances I've seen him in. But I think it's just you know a matter of logic, maybe. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we've got to remember as well. You know, we we, we go back to um, Thiago Silva against West Brom. You know, it was very similar. Um, you know, you got Run Ragged. Even looking at this season, you look at Varane for Man United, or even Jadon Sancho hasn't lit up the Premier League as of yet Emerson Royale for uh, Spurs at the weekend as well had a torrid game so I think it's just the case of adapting to the Premier League understanding what maybe not what's being asked of him but just in terms of the different approach that we'll, he'll need to take in, term, in terms of the Premier League as well so I agree with you 100% you know I think we'll I think the fact we've got the option to buy at the end it, it's just a safety net I think we'll you know we will get made the, the deal permanent it makes sense to do that as well but um no, overall, in terms of the game, I, you know, as much as I've, I've sort of come on today and moaned about it was, it wasn't the perfect game. But you know, one of the things I said to you at the weekend was, you know, we don't have to play pretty all the time, or we don't have to win in in the greatest fashion. But as long as we get the three points, and that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. Um, you know, that's how champions win games, and and if that's what it takes to to get three points, then so be it. You know, um, it, ideally, you know, you'd like to see a bit more. Um, entertaining I think that's the right word because it was entertaining but you know what I mean it wasn't very mm. convincing um in, at times when we, when I was watching it so it was just maybe that first half nerves um a couple of changes at the back obviously with um Hudson-Odoi Chalaba coming in Sal Niguez debut as well kind of just uneven you know messed around with the back a bit too much but you know three points is three points and, and credit to Aston Villa because they actually did play well I thought John McGinn played really well I know you mentioned, um, I think it was cash or target. You mentioned, yeah, um, it was cash. With cash, it was, it was ridiculous. I was literally stood, stood right. I mean, sat right behind him in the East Lower, and about three of his throw-ins, and particularly the throw-in that led to the Mendy double save. Yeah, his about his foot was in on in, in on the pitch, <laughs> you know. And I just, and the linesman just looking at him, and I was kind of you know when Mendy was pulling off those saves, I was happy, obviously, but in the back of my head, I'm like, let the ball go in and let VAR do its thing because. Yeah, yeah because it was ridiculous. And I think he did it three times and he would take about 30 seconds to clean the ball as well as, you know, his purple yeah. towel to make sure it was perfect. And, and then, um, but yeah, uh, he, he, I think VAR to maybe um, disallowed that goal had it gone in. Yeah. It's interesting as well, because a lot of, I can't remember what game I was watching, but um, they mentioned a lot of teams now are bringing in set piece specialists to, to work on things like throw-ins and getting the extra, you know, um, advantage in terms of throw-ins and using throw-ins as like corners now, which is what a lot of teams are doing, that long throw-in. Um, so it's interesting, you know, I think, it, you know, defensively, I think you have to be on the job to from just from a throw-in now because it is like a corner. It goes back to, I think, Rory Delap a few years ago for Stoke. He used to be sort of the throw specialist and, you know, he'd get it into the box. So um, I, I've, I thought defensively, second half, we played a lot better. I thought Mendy was the outstanding arguably probably man of the match again um 
maybe him, like you mentioned, Thiago Silva and Kovacic as well. They they must stand out as well. And obviously Lukaku, you know, we, we forget now that we've got him, the fact that he scored two goals, it's almost, you know, we kind of take it a bit for granted that he's just scored two goals and that's it. But he took the first goal really well. And the second goal, I mean, it was, I mean, the second goal was probably harder actually because it's under his feet. He has to dig it out from under his feet and, and get the shot off. Um, I wanted to ask you actually from a Chelsea perspective and obviously being at the game and I think that that goal potentially would have been I think you mentioned just where you were sitting but just how um, awful or maybe it's the wrong word but how out of position Tyro Mings was for quite a lot of the time and I know for the build up for the third goal I think it's Aspilicueta who sort of um, takes it past him and, and gets it into Lukaku but just how bad was he from watching him at the game? I mean, he, 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 we all know he's a good, he's a good centre back. We saw it in the last couple of seasons. He's, he's a very solid centre back, but I think, um, just the whole game kind of was not for him. And I could see him from the first half as soon as that first goal went in. He was, he looked really frustrated. I don't think he was frustrated with like, with, with other players. He was frustrated with himself. And obviously the, the, third, the second and the third goal were mainly due to him. You know, the back pass, um, that, you know, didn't have enough weight on it to the goalkeeper and then allowing Aspilicueta to almost just, you know, ghost past him. I think he had a, I think it was just kind of a frustrating, you know, afternoon for him and the frustration got to his head and made him, let him kind of, um, you know, make those mistakes. And it's a shame, I mean, it's a shame from a neutral point of view because Villa were, had a good game. And, you know, when you look at maybe the three goals, they were avoidable in a way. Maybe if Twanzebe was a bit more solid and didn't go to ground as easily, if, and, and, and if Mings didn't make those two defensive mistakes, you're kind of looking at Chelsea and thinking, shoot, where are we going to get these goals from? Yeah. But, um, but no, it was a frustrating night for Mings, definitely. Yeah. And it's going to be, I mean, I, I know you don't really want to harp on about Villa too much, but they have brought in some key players. They were missing some key players as well. Um, you know, arguably their, their best goalkeeper, well, their best player, one of the best players for them is the goalkeeper who, who was, um, I think, quarantined in, in Croatia at the time or wherever it is. So, um, you know, Steer coming in didn't have the best of games as well. Um, but yeah, you know, John McGinn, I love him. You know, I think he's a brilliant midfielder. I thought he was good as well. But I think on the day, you know, you just look at, you know, we haven't even mentioned Hakim Ziyech as well, who I thought, you know, had a brilliant game as well. Kai Havertz, I thought had a, a decent game. You know, it just shows now that having that number nine in in, in, the, in the position that we've, we've been crying out for last season, it just seems like now is the time where we've got to press on and we've got to, we've got to, just keep this momentum. And like I just mentioned, we, we might have to win ugly, but if we win, you know, no one's, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're not going to care that we, we didn't play the best football against Aston Villa. We're just going to care that we got three points and it was three nil. Definitely. I think now that we can rely on Lukaku to bury those, those chances we have in front of goal, maybe it allows also players like you mentioned, Kai Havertz and Ziyech and maybe on Pulisic when he comes back in to do a bit more of the creative work rather than the, you know, try to, you know, go for goal and be the, be the main man. But, um, but yeah, it it shows the depth we have in our squad. And I think um, maybe the fact we're talking about the performance being quite poor, as we said, was no Mount, no Christensen, no Pulisic, no Kante. And yeah. we still managed to win 3-0. So it's, uh, I think we can be very pleased with ourselves. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So let's, let's move our attention to tomorrow. Big game, Champions League is back, which is, uh, as much as I'm glad it's back, uh, 
Yeah, I'm glad he's back, but I just want us to win it again so we don't have to, <laughs> so we can still call ourselves champions of Europe. But um, talking about the group, obviously Group H, we've got Zenit and Petersburg, uh, Juventus and Malmo, which uh, I look at that group and it is a group that we should be getting out of. Um, but let's talk first about the game tomorrow. What changes to the team potentially would you make, if any, um, from what you got to see against Aston Villa? Um. I did mention Sanagaz. I think he should be starting. I think he maybe give him the 90 minutes, if anything, this time, or at least um, a bit further into the second half to make him, you know, adapt. To, I know this is not really a Premier League game, so it's can't really call it English football, but just give him, you know, more minutes around his teammates. I like to see Chilwell play. I think um, Alonso has played every single game, um, Premier League game, and he played the Super Cup final as well. So I think this is the perfect game to reintroduce Chilwell into the team. And the other change I think I'm making, uh, I think I bring Kepa as a goalkeeper. I mean, Mendy's been fantastic, but I think these are the type of games, you know, we saw that Kepa is capable of um, putting in great performances like we saw in the Super Cup when he was called upon and also the back end of last season. And then the back line, I think it makes sense to bring um, Christensen as well back in maybe for Chilobo, maybe for Silva. We know Silva's now, you know, approaching that big, that big quite, you know, late, late 30s. So I think, yeah. We don't. We want to rest him as much as possible. We saw how valuable he can be in these, these, you know, these kind of tight Premier League games. Um, and then Mount, obviously, I think you know he we was rested for a reason. We'll probably bring him back into the Champions League um, opening group stage game. And I, I'm going to say from the bench, I'd like to see um, Loftus Cheek play a part on on Tuesday yeah. to be introduced off the bench. I was kind of hoping I'd see him come on uh, when I saw his name and Barkley's name on the bench. I was kind of thinking, you know, it makes sense for Loftus Cheek to come on at one point, and then we. We ended up bringing Jorginho, Aspi, and uh, Werner on instead. But I think this is, I love to see Loftus Cheek play a part on, on Tuesday as well. Yeah. And I, I think the fact that they were both on the bench, Barkley and Loftus Cheek, it kind of tells you as much as um, Thomas Tuchel, I think there was a comment he made. Um, I'm not sure if it was in the press conference or it might be in the press conference. And he said he didn't want to come into the season with just two midfield players. And obviously you've got Barkley and Loftus-Cheek who can play midfield as well, which is why he brought Sal in. But um, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, it'd be a good game for Ben Chilwell. I think we've got to be careful that we don't isolate him too much from the starting eleven, And there could become a point where, you know, he is needed. He is needed to play a run of games, but just isn't up to fitness. Or, you know, you just lose that, lose that little bit of edge in terms of being able to, just compete at this level um, and I think that's that's key I think he'd be brilliant to play I'd love to see Loftus-Cheek start to be honest um, I think it looks like he's staying now obviously so there's there's no real option for them to, to move on um, so I think play them if we're going to keep them here we've got to play them it's a perfect game my only question is would Tuchel tweak with the squad too much in terms of opening Champions League game you don't want to be on the back foot we've still got to play, play Juventus and we've also got to play Malmo as well um, and obviously the return um, fixtures as well but just in terms of Zenit who um, you know I, don't, I can't remember we've played them before in the Champions League I can't remember not, either not I don't think we have um, but I know obviously from watching them in their their own league they're a brilliant team um, it just worries me if we I understand about Kepa um, I don't know if I'd start him I don't know I'd like to say yes and I'm going to say yes actually but I, I just think do we need to change the goalkeeper just for the sake of giving Kepa t- game time I'm mm. not sure um, but yeah I think 
whichever team we put out, we should be beating Zenit in terms Definitely. of the, the, you know, the quality that we've got. And that's no disrespect to Zenit at all. But I just think in terms of what we've got, we should be able to go out there and beat them. And um, we've got a big game coming up on on at the weekends as well against Spurs. So I think resting a couple of those players will be will be key. I think you, you're right. I think Mason Mount potentially plays, you know, 90 minutes. He gets back in the game, um, getting ready for the big game on, against Spurs as well. But um, just in terms of the group itself, because obviously you've just mentioned Juventus and Malmo as well. Realistically, should we be topping the group or should we be looking at maybe getting seconds behind Juventus? Because I'm sure, you know, obviously people still say without Ronaldo being there, there's still a force in some ways as well. <clears throat> I think it's quite funny because a couple of weeks ago, I think when we, the group was announced, we recorded yeah. an episode and I was talking about, you know, we should be looking at least topping or coming second to this group, you know, behind Juventus potentially. And I'll take that. But now that Renata's left and now that I've seen Juventus's f- domestic form, I'm yeah. thinking we should be winning this a hundred percent. Juventus, have be- they've drawn to um, Udine- Udinese, I think. I think they might have lost last week to another side and or oh, before the break and they lost this weekend to Napoli yeah but um I think we should be beating them just purely based on when you compare the quality of each the players of each team and Allegri is a very good manager don't get me wrong but I think the quality of the players on either side you know, you compare Lukaku to Morata you compare you know the Chiellini and Benucci fantastic players don't get me wrong but you know they're, they're aging they are aging and I think you know the pace of Lukaku and the, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of you know proved to be better for us. So I think if we don't top the group, I'd be very, very disappointed with uh, with Chelsea. Yeah. And we've got to remember as well, Lukaku knows Juventus. He's played obviously for Inter Milan. He'll know how to play against them. Um, it's going to be interesting. I agree with you. I think we should definitely top the group. I think there's no real excuses. Um, we should be topping the group. It's going to be, I do think Zenit will give us a game. I don't think they've lost a game in their domestic league all season. I think they've won five, drawn two, scored 16 goals, uh, 17 points clear at the top. But I, I do think they'll give us a game. I really do. I think they'll give us a game, but it's going to be interesting. It's at the bridge. You know, good, good times back at the bridge. I'm actually coming down for the game as well, which would be interesting. Uh, I haven't done the Champions League night for a while, so I'm going to be looking forward to that as well. But um, just in terms of predictions for tomorrow, um, what, what what's your thoughts? I did my predictions on the app yesterday. And now that you've mentioned that Senate's domestic form, you, you know, 17 points at the top, I'm a bit... <laughs> <laughs> But no, no, I think you've got to you've got to remember we're at Stamford Bridge. I think it'll be a trickier game when we travel to Russia and we play them. But I'm going to stick with what I put on the app yesterday, which was three 0 to Chelsea. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I can see a clean sheet. Uh, well, it depends if Kepa's in goal, and this is no criticism to Kepa at all, but we just know how Mendy is in terms of clean sheets. And uh, if Mendy's in goal, I'm going to go two 0 If Kepa's in goal, I think it'll be two one. I think we'll let a goal in. I do. I think he's prone to a mistake, isn't he, Kepper? As much as he's developed as a goalkeeper, um, you know, he is prone to to make. I don't know if he'd have saved those those uh, those worldies from Mendy at the weekend or against Liverpool. Mm. I think he's. I mean, he's a brilliant goalkeeper, Kepper. But for twenty two million, we've definitely got a good bargain in in Mendy. So we'll have to see. It'd be interesting if Lukaku starts as well. I mean, I I think he will. Um, but you've got to imagine he's played quite a bit of football over the summertime as well in terms of the Euros. Um, 
he's played against Arsenal, played against Liverpool. He played at the international break as well. And he's played against Aston Villa. And we've got, like I said, we've got a big game against Tottenham coming up at the weekend. So it'd be interesting if he rests Lukaku as well. Maybe maybe tries and plays a, a you know, a, a Werner or Havertz up there at the top. I think we have to kind of really focus on winning this game. And we saw it last year in the Champions League, how comfortable it was simply because we won those games early on. You know, we won, I think, three or four on the bounce. And then we were kind of allowed, I think we drew Sevilla and then it was, you know, we won every single game until that draw against Krasnodar where we'd already qualified. And if we can kind of replicate that this season, then that'd be fantastic. And, you know, have a kind of a comfortable November, December Champions League run. And I think what I'd like to see tomorrow is Lukaku start. And if I, my prediction's right and we go 2-0 up quite early on, you know, take all those key players off the pitch, you know, come the 60th minute, 70th minute, which would be Lukaku, which would maybe be Jorginho, Kovacic, one of the two start. And even maybe one of the centre-backs should Silva start, which I said, I, sh- I don't think he should, but should he start? Then maybe bring him off and bring, you know, an Aspi maybe and s- switch Rhys James to centre-back or Aspi plays centre-back and Rhys James is on the right wing-back because we've got Rhys James back. He's not suspended yeah, for this yeah. game, which is, um, which is brilliant as well. But, um, but yeah, I think we should really um, have Tottenham in the back of our minds when um, well, well, Tuchel should have it in the back of his mind when he when he selects the starting eleven for tomorrow. Yeah, definitely, and I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll do a preview of that game, um, which I'm looking forward to. But um, that should be interesting, be a nerve wracking game. But yeah, focusing on tomorrow, uh, you know, two nil, two one. I'll definitely take that as the first opening game. Um, of the Champions League is obviously brilliant to be back. Um, Spurs will have, I'm assuming Spurs will be their Con- new conference, conference league game. game. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's on Thursday. So I'm yeah. sure that'll be interesting. Um, whether whether they, re- they play their full team or they, I mean, I don't yeah. know if they've got as much depth in their squad as us, but... Um, I don't think they have, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, they had a, you know, a shocker against, um, at the weekend against Crystal mm-hmm. Palace. So, We'll have to see, but yeah, interesting times. So yeah, Champions League is back. We're joint top, I suppose we can say that. We're joint top at the, the, the top of the table in the Premier League as well. So it's happy days being a Chelsea fan. Um, as always, you can follow us at From The Shed End. At, at, that's at From The Shed End on Twitter and at From The Shed End on on Instagram with underscores between each of the words. If you're watching on YouTube, it's at the very bottom for you. If not, they'll all be uh, part of the description as part of the episode um, description as well. So this has been episode 22 of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T-Dot and Theo. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, enjoy the game tomorrow and we'll be back to discuss Tottenham in the week.